Hi everybody, I'm Megan Thompson and I wanted to just focus today on helping those of you who don't feel like you're on the same page as your spouse or your co-parent when we think about parenting a highly sensitive child and the big struggles that can perpetuate when two parents are not on the same page. So I really wanted to talk about this today because it is something that I hear quite frequently when I speak on the phone with with parents who want to touch base with me about where they're at and where they can go with parenting their child, especially if they really want to solve this problem. And I really want to just dive into what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from parents in this respect as well. Um, what I notice and what I've noticed over the years is that there, in some families, two parents will have two completely different perspectives on what's driving the meltdowns and why their child is struggling. Um, and, and while one parent may be certain that their child is highly sensitive, the other parent could be quite skeptical um, that this is a real thing. And so there's a couple of factors that play into the struggle that these families, um, that these families really, really deal with. And I wanted to just focus on this tonight because it very well might be you. Um, so when two parents are not on the same page in parenting from a two-parent household, so this is what we're talking about today, and I understand that there are some parents that um, I work with who are in a single-parent household, and that's not to um, diminish the struggles you have. They're different. And um, so we're just going to talk about this topic today. So we think about parents in a two-parent household who are really struggling to understand why your child is melting down. What I hear from parents often is that there's a cycle of one parent really wanting to help the, the highly sensitive, their highly sensitive child to support the, the emotional experience of a, of a highly sensitive child. And then the, the other parent, you know, you're, you're struggling trying to wonder whether or not this is coddling or this is um, perpetuating the problem because maybe you don't see the problem um, as often as the other parent who, who sees the, the emotional experiencing of, of um, your, your HSC more often. And, and this may or may not have anything to do with your role in the household. Um, you know, I've worked with parents over the years where one parent uh, receives all of the meltdown behavior and uh, other parents who um, just experience it in different, uh, in different environments or in different circumstances. So oftentimes one thing that I hear from a lot of parents of highly sensitive kids is that there's really no rhyme or reason to these meltdowns. And this can really set you up through for a loop trying to figure out what's causing the behavior. And when we think about why children who are highly sensitive have meltdowns, it's because they really struggle with managing their big feelings in a safe and effective way. Um, it has nothing to do with whether or not they want to feel like this. They don't. You can just you know blatantly name that right there and then. Um, it has nothing to do with whether or not they know what to do differently and they're doing this on purpose. Um, that's not what's going on here. Your child is struggling and your child is struggling so much so that they don't feel capable of solving their own problems. That's really what's going on here. And when we think about that, and we understand that on a true deep level, we can get clear that both of you 
um, in a two-parent household are, are just trying to figure out what works best. And so when, when you sit with that understanding, it can lead to two parents feeling like they are undermining each other or missing the boat um, or trying to not for, for lack of a better word, not, not necessarily, um, you know, get, it can at, at times feel like you're trying to prove a point, you know, look, this worked, let's keep going with this. But then when one parent sees it from a different perspective, it can lead to a disconnect in the relationship and as parents, because you often, instead of feeling together, feel like you're butting heads, uh, that you're not getting what your point across to your spouse um, or co-parent. And so when that happens, what we see is that the highly sensitive child is struggling and continues to struggle, but again, no rhyme or re reason as to why this is happening. And so there might be a pattern only that the meltdowns are happening with one parent. Um, but what I really want to cover today specifically is to recognize that when two parents don't understand that there is a problem, that's really why parents get stuck. Um, when we think about parents who are who are struggling with this mismatch of one kid's having a having a meltdowns and um, you know the kids having meltdowns with one parent or, or more meltdowns with one parent than the other, I really want you to take a step back and to stop focusing on how to solve the problem and getting very clear that there is a problem. Now, this is important for several reasons. Um, and you know, what we what we really want to get here is is really get very clear at understanding that if you both don't understand that having daily meltdowns, daily emotional expression of negative emotion to the point where your child feels out of control, daily thoughts of not liking what's going on, hate, um, saying things like you don't love me, you hate me, I hate you, um, uh, whininess beyond age four to the point, and I say whininess, I mean, children express their feelings at different ages. Um, this again, oh my God, why? Coming from an eight, nine, 10, 11 year old, um, to the point where this lasts for more than two minutes. Um, what we know here is that that's not developmentally appropriate for highly sensitive children and children in general. What we have to acknowledge is that children are allowed to experience negative emotion. That's not what I'm getting at here. What I'm getting at here is recognizing how pervasive your child's emotions are staying in the negative mood. How regularly are you focused, is your child focused, on what's not working in their life, on how things are awful, and how bad things are, and how they can't change anything? If one of you is feeling like that's normal, then the other person in the relationship, in the co-parenting relationship, is going to feel disconnected, obviously, right? Um, and so what you have to do first is come to terms that there's a problem. You have to build that understanding together because you both want what's best for your children. I have to believe that. Um, and you both have to believe that. If you don't believe that together, that there's a problem, then trying to fix it isn't going to fucking work. Sorry. <laughs> isn't going to freaking work, guys. It's not going to work. 
Because if you're not clear that there's a level of standard of where your family needs to be and where you want your child's emotional experiences to be on a regular basis, then your standards are mismatched. And as a result, you're not going to be working as a team. And so what I really want to get clear on is understanding the, the educational component around this. You know, if one parent is very thoroughly understanding the highly sensitive personality trait, very thoroughly understanding that highly sensitive children do not have to experience extreme negative emotion on a daily basis, let alone a weekly basis. And the other parent is like, well, this is how I grew up or, you know, tough noogies, whatever. This is tough. Life is, you know, he's got to get over it or she's got to get over it or, um, well, I don't see it, so it doesn't bother me. Um, that's, that's where the mismatch is. That's where you guys are not on the same page. And the reason behind that doesn't always mean that the parent who's trying to, to dig into those emotions with the child is doing something ineffective. What it means, often, more often than not, is that the parent who doesn't see the negative emotion who tries to solve all the problems, who tries to fix it, is perpetuating the problem alongside the other parent who's trying to, to compensate and oftentimes overcompensate for what's really going on here. And so when that happens, we see parents put their head in the sand. You can ostrich yourselves, guys. And um, this is why I get a little passionate and sometimes the F-bomb throws out, especially if it's 7.30 at night. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because neither of you are really focused on what you truly want for your family. And if that's not happening, then why are you listening to me? Why are you focused on, on, on spinning your wheels, trying to find solutions to the problem where you don't, when you're not even on the same page that there is a problem? Um, this is what we get very clear on in the conversations that I speak with with parents because it's the key point to, somebody says I'm being totally appropriate, thank you. <laughs> um, and it's also true that some parents don't like that, so I try, I try. Um, and, and, uh, sorry, I lost my thought. <sighs> Guys. What, what we need to do, what we need to really, really, truly focus on is that when, when this is happening, when you guys aren't on the same page, it creates a breakdown in your relationship as well. It doesn't just send the message that your kiddo's got to figure it out. And we'll get to that in a second and the depth and gravity of that situation. But on an even bigger level, when we think about the structure of a family, if there are two parents who are managing that family, who are two parents who are raising the children in that family, in your family, then both of you need to be equally involved, not fairly, because that's never, it's never really fair, right, um, in life, but equally involved at your capacities to be very clear that your children are learning from both of you. And if your children are learning from both of you, because there's two of you in the household, whether you like it or not, um, 
then you need to be very clear as to what your children are learning from you. And so if you are the parent who sees that there's a problem and tries to fix it without working with your spouse to get them on board to understand there is a problem that needs to be fixed, then what you're doing is you're sending a message to your child that they're on their own. And what that does is it creates a top-down relationship problem in the marriage and in the family. So I'm going to use a little therapist to speak for a minute here. Um, what we see can happen in this relationship is what's called triangulation. Now, in my office I have a whiteboard. I don't have a whiteboard. So, and I really was planning on getting that deep into it today, but we're doing it. Okay, so I'm going to draw a triangle here. This is how the family needs to work. You see this? Where am I? <laughs> okay. For a two-parent household. Two parents at the top, kids at the bottom. And not like a, you know, my say goes type of way. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm like backwards in my view of my, my video here. Okay. What happens when one parent isn't on board and understanding that... There's a problem and the child is suffering. That's what daily meltdowns are, daily irritability. That's suffering for children. Um, then it becomes like this. And the child's on top. And the parents are on the bottom. Or it becomes a straight line. And the child's in the middle. So guys, when we think about this and, and we recognize what happens with parents who get divorced, and this is where I'm talking about my therapy hat here, this is the concept of triangulation. When the child's role gets placed in between the parents, we see what's called in the therapy world, you know, therapists and family systems um, therapy, family systems theory for therapy, um, that that the child has an equal role in solving their own problems, the problems of the family, when both parents aren't on board. And what that does is it creates a bigger problem in the family dynamic because the child now feels responsible for solving the problems that one parent doesn't see. And so when that happens, it breeds helplessness and hopelessness. Now, helplessness and hopelessness are signs of depression. And irritability is a sign of depression in children as well. So when we put those three things together and we see focusing on the negative is also a sign of depression, what we recognize is that there are a heck of a lot of highly sensitive kids going out there in life feeling depressed. Now, whether or not they meet the criteria for major depressive disorder is not my objective here today because what we know is that when children who are highly sensitive experience negative emotion on a regular basis pervasively throughout their day or consistently or deeply on a regular basis during their week, more days so than not, or deeply. So, you know, I've worked with some parents where the meltdown is two to three hours long, but it's once a week. I mean, that's still too much for a child. Um, when we see this happening for kids and, and we see this happening, what we know is that 
the focusing on the child's individual skills to manage as a highly sensitive child their their skills to manage those big feelings is not effective at solving the problem it still sends the message that your kids on their own so what has to happen first before we even solve the problem is to recognize with both of you that there is a problem and then you can come together to figure out what to do to fix it. The parents who recognize that there is a problem but don't know what the heck they need to do to fix it fare better than the parents who don't agree that there's a problem in the first place. So when I say fare better, if you can't solve this on your own and both parents know that there's a problem, then that's the time to get support. And the parents who fare better are the ones who actually get the support. Um, but the parents who try to get the support when only one parent is on the same page, they just don't make as big a progress, which is why I require two parents on the phone. And uh, other professionals might decide that it's okay to, to just do it, you know, one parent and one child, but that's just not my standard. I, I know that families can manage making the shift much more effectively, efficiently, and thoroughly when we've got two parents on board. So I do things differently because I expect that, that you expect the best for your family. And so I really want to break down now that we, we, we know clearly what your focus needs to be. The next thing that you need to do is, is get to understand why and, and, and understand on a, on a different level why you need to take your head out of the sand and how to address that. What's going on here is that you've started, and if you're the parent that, that knows that your child is highly sensitive and that there needs to be something working differently and that there's a problem, what's going on here is that you're starting to not trust your spouse or co-parent as much. And when that happens, we know that there becomes a, a breakdown in the relationship. And when that relationship starts to break down, your child starts to feel like the marriage is, or that marriage or, or you know, parent-child, parent-to-parent relationship, whatever, you know, however it's structured for you guys, is unattainable, um, a pipe dream. Too good to be true. And what we see here is that, that highly sensitive kids start to learn that partnership in general is too good to be true. And what does that do? That teaches your child to not assert themselves. It teaches them to not ask for help. It teaches them to not solve their problem, that they can't solve their problem. So when one parent says, well, you got to figure it out, life's tough, or, you know, I don't really see any problems. We can usually work things out. What happens is that it actually breeds dependence because oftentimes if the parent is not in, in true, you know, full fashion denial of like, nope, you know, suck it up, we're good to go, I'll yell at my kid, whatever. That's not what's going on. But instead, it's like, no, we solve problems all the time. We're good to go. You know, I help, you know, I offer suggestions and, and they follow through. My, my kid follows through. Um, what What's happening there is that the other parent is often enabling the emotional dependence of the child. And so it makes perfect sense that you're not seeing a lot of problems if you're fixing them all the time before they need to express any negativity. Uh, what we want to do is raise children who know how to express their emotions, who know how to clearly solve their own problems, who can independently solve their own problems. So if your child is six and above and still coming to you because they can't 
Um, they can't solve basic problems that are developmentally appropriate, like they're not wanting to brush their teeth, not wanting to, um, you know, to, to ask a friend to play, not wanting to tell the teacher that they need to go to the bathroom, um, things of that nature that's appropriate for a six-year-old, um, not accepting no for an answer more often than not. And then, you know, beyond six, children absolutely should be able to do that on a regular basis. Then what we're seeing here is that oftentimes the parent who doesn't see that there's a problem is enabling and perpetuating the problem. So that's why I say we always need to get clear on what the problem is and that the fact that there is a problem, if there is one, in order to solve those, that problem of, of the daily meltdowns or outbursts or irritability or, or just frequent frequency of that. So what it does next is it diminishes your child's confidence in themselves and it diminishes your child's confidence in and hope. So it's very important that you understand what that means for your child. Think about recognizing that your four, five, six, ten, eleven-year-old doesn't think that their parents can help them solve their own problems. Doesn't think that their parents notice that they're having problems. Doesn't think that they can solve their own problems and ask help if they can't. You know, trying first before asking for help. Um, what that does is it it. it perpetuates a belief that I'm not worthy of being happy. That I'm not enough. And that's shame. We've talked about this before. Uh, highly sensitive children, highly sensitive people in general, experience more shame, are more, are more susceptible to shame. And what we have to do as parents is know how we're not perpetuating that, how we're battling it, how we're shifting it, and how we're actually focusing on diminishing it and eliminating that propensity. Because what we know in the research is that highly sensitive adults have a higher propensity to shame. But what I've seen in my work with parents is that highly sensitive children whose parents know how to combat it don't actually jump straight to shame. And what we don't know in the research, because we haven't had enough longitudinal studies, studies who have studied highly sensitive children through to adulthood in terms of fixing this problem, um, that that pattern of going straight to shame is not pervasive in adulthood. But I have to venture a guess, an educated and experienced guess, that if we can eradicate that automatic thought process in children, and we're not dealing with parents, I mean, adults who, who blame themselves for their strifes, who think that they don't deserve anything and everything that they want and can desire and, and can reach for in life. So what does that do? It, it teaches your children that they don't have to be doormats. It teaches your children that they don't have to be workaholics because they can't say no to their boss. It teaches their children that they can say no when somebody is pressuring them, whether that be in social relationships or intimate relationships or um, you know work work life balance relationships, friendships, whatever. It teaches them that they are 
capable, able, and true to solve this problem. Now, when we think about, and I work with, and I talk to adults who work with highly sensitive adults, so like, um, you know, highly sensitive coaches who, who specialize in working with highly sensitive adults, therapists who work with highly sensitive adults, what we know is that shame is the deepest, clearest problem. And we have to be certain that this is something that we can we can address without needing to 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 wait for it to get to be so long for it to, for it to, for it to take so long okay guys so i really want to get clear on that because if you think about not feeling like you are worthy enough to live what does that do uh, that creates depression that creates a depressive disorder suicidal thoughts suicidal actions um you know attempts and um, self-harmful behavior. So we see that in teens. It's one thing that I treat in my practice uh, with my, my clinicians here. And we see that in adults. But you have to recognize that we're also seeing it in children. When children say that they hate their family members, children aren't separated from that emotion. They aren't separated from their, their relationship with their parents. They are their relationship with their parents. They are part of that. So when your child says, I hate you, she also says she hates herself. So guys, um, if you're ready to make this decision, if you're ready to change the way that you and your children live and experience their lives, then I encourage you to reach out and get on the phone. Go to MeganThompsonCoaching.com backslash talk and really get very clear on understanding that when the both parents are clear on the fact that there's a problem, don't need to necessarily know how to fix it, but clear that there's a problem, you can make the decision to solve this problem for your family. And if you're jumping straight to solving without getting clear on that, then you're going to be continuing to spin, spin your wheels on that hamster wheel. Okay. All right. Well, have a good night and I will speak to you again soon. Thank you.